You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today, filling in for Charlie on this Monday mailbag edition of the podcast is my co-host Curtis. I guess I'm the one who actually has to fill Charlie's big shoes setting things up and asking the questions today. So hopefully I don't blow it. Charlie does a great job of that week in and week out. But as is always the case, you guys have loaded us up with another batch of topics to discuss and questions to answer. For those of you anxiously awaiting the first episode of our Scheme Theme Month that we've been teasing here for a couple of weeks, we will have that for you guys later on this week where we will be breaking down the ins and outs of Georgia's rush defense dominance over the past couple of seasons. We've had a lot of interaction about this scheme theme month, a lot of interest there, a lot of questions thrown our way over the past couple weeks since we've been teasing that, so we're really looking forward to that. But that's later this week, because today you've got questions and we've got answers. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Curtis in here. And our first two questions are a little bit different for us. We normally, you guys know, you listen to the show, we normally like to focus our attention as much as we possibly can on the on-field side of things. We actually like talking football, but from time to time, there are questions like these first two questions that are not only extremely relevant in the college football landscape, but also directly relate to ultimately what's going to happen on the field of play. And we're going to start with what was almost certainly the biggest news on the Koshwal front, at least in the state of Georgia last week, and really has been dominating headlines on the national scene for a while now. And that, of course, would be the name image likeness legislation that is staring us all directly in the face. So Alex has a question relating to the name image likeness bill that Governor Kemp here in the state of Georgia actually signed at UGA last week. Alex says, Georgia's new name image likeness bill that passed last week got a lot of bad publicity from the major outlets. He then goes on to ask, do you think it will have as negative of an impact on Georgia's recruiting as people like Shannon Sharp and Mark Packer, just to name a few, claimed that it would? So Curtis, this is this is an interesting question. A lot of times we try to lay off the off-the-field topics like this. We leave this to other people to discuss. But this is one of those topics that is just too big to ignore. And again, as I said at the outset, it absolutely can end up having an impact on what goes on 
on the field of play, particularly as it pertains to recruiting. So Kurt, what do you think? Is this Georgia name, image, and likeness bill as much of a disaster as some of the national talking heads are making it out to be? Um, no. I mean, let's be honest. Shannon Sharp is an absolute idiot, dipstick, um, shocky, whatever. Don't hold All back. Of those. You know, he's one of these guys that wants to ignore the facts. I mean, I can't even listen to their show because, you know, they want to jump on and, you know, get hit these shock points, which they don't even truly understand the facts of the matter is that Georgia already came out right away and was like, we're not taking it. Georgia went as far as to partner up, partner up with someone to help push and players be able to get the most out of their name and image and likeness that they possibly can. Now, Georgia wouldn't be going to that depth to try to help players if that was the if this wasn't the case, if they were going to keep the 75%, which you know the Mark and Shannon and all them want to jump on when they've already come out and said they don't. And here's the thing, if Georgia – had come out and said that they wouldn't take it and ended up taking it, then yes, the recruiting is going to that would kill them recruiting wise. But I don't see that being the fact of the matter, especially when Georgia is one of the most profitable football programs in the nation. They don't need the that money at most is like fifty to a hundred thousand. Now maybe it ends up being more, but I doubt it unless the guy is like an absolute like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields where they could have really cashed in big. That money is not going to change make a difference for them. All right, so you're clearly fired about this. Well, because they all they want to ignore the facts, just like Shannon Sharp going back with that writer from Rivals, Anthony Dasher. Like, he had no facts or nothing other than the fact that, well, it says that, so it must be a fact. That they're all and that's where, yeah, that's where I'm that My frustration is just disingenuous. That's the thing. They had nothing to prove that it was going to happen or that it was even a fact of the matter that they were going to do it and ignored the fact that Georgia already said they weren't. They're like, no, they're nothing but liars. What do you have on that fact? Yeah, I mean, like Shannon Sharp. I see why you would call him an idiot, but like my issue is guys like Shannon Sharp. I don't think the fact I don't think the, the fact is that they're just morons. I think no, that it's not it's that they're morons. Thing. It's the fact that they don't look at what the, the, what's actually there. They want either, to go well, off. it's either that you're right. It's either that they're not looking at that stuff, or right. they are and they're well aware of what they're doing and they're just trying to rile us up. Well, because they to want the ratings. So to me, that's I why mean, I call it disingenuous. I think Shannon Sharp like Shannon a, Sharp a bright, and- probably a bright guy. That's just deliberately trying to inflame passions and yeah, that's and that's why I can't I can't even listen to listen or watch any of those Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, uh, Greeny, all those people in the morning because they they never actually go on the truth of the matter, but they distort it to fit wherever it'll help their ratings and help yeah. them get the most attention and draw the most viewership. Hot and takes, the fact of the takes. matter is that doesn't get to the point of what's actually going to be happening with these players. But here we are giving them the attention that they crave, you know? It's just one of those ironic things. But you can't you, – like, when you hear things like this, it's almost like you just can't let this go. Yeah, like, you, know? you have to it talk to about be addressed. it because it, it, it was brought up. Yeah, it has to – It yeah, we got a question about it. And, it like, these kind of things, like, pure – we have another question later that's kind of on the same front. Uh, but questions like this, which I would classify as just pure stupidity – and, and or at, it could be pure stupidity or just being entirely disingenuous. Either way, stuff that I'm not down with. I think it has to be addressed. Like, sure, you, there's there's something to say about just completely ignoring it. But when they're just so loud and they're out there all the time, it, it to me it has to be addressed. And you're right. Like all those talking head shows, those embrace debate shows. I can't tell you the last time I've sat down and watched like even 30 seconds of one. Like I'm talking like probably a decade plus. Like. What's the what, the one with Stephen A. Smith? Um, first take, right? I yeah, I, I, See, I, I don't even I, watch I, it. I, I've actually probably never legitimately watched first take. Maybe seen a clip on social media of him like going off, having 
actually watched it. Uh, you mentioned Greenberg. He's it's a morning. I don't even know what it's. Called. I know it's a morning show. He's off radio. He's on the morning show now. I just I just don't watch that kind of stuff because you're right. I just first off, they have nothing really to add to the conversation. They they don't really truly like they know sports in like a, in a in a very surface way. There's nothing hard hitting, and that's kind of that's always what I'm interested in. And you don't get anything like that. It's just them just like making up like. Basically, there's a debate, and like you, you have to imagine their production means it's like, okay, you take this side, you take this side, whether you believe it or not, who cares? We have to have an argument, and I just, I, it's disingenuous. I can't buy that. I just, I can't do it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. But for those of you who, who might have missed this and don't know all the details, Curtis alluded to it. I'll just give you a little bit of the of the uh, behind the scenes stuff here. So yes, Governor Kemp at UGA last week actually did sign a uh, NIL bill for Georgia that's going to affect like immediately. Uh, I think that we'll be able to. Pro- I think our, ga- our players will be able to profit from it, like as early as June first, maybe something like that. But what Curse is referencing is there is there was a a provision within this particular bill that provides an opportunity for schools to work out a what they would call a pooling arrangement, which basically gives the universities in the state, like Georgia, the here's the key thing: the opportunity does not mandate they do this. It provides them the opportunity, if they so wish, to take advantage of said opportunity to withhold up to 75% of the earnings that players make off their name, image, and likeness, and then put that into a pool that would be distributed evenly among the players, but they couldn't access it until, like, I think it was a year after they graduate. So basically, they're, they're putting it in there. For my, like my interpretation, they put it in there as a cap, saying, like, okay, if universities try to do this, you can't take more than 75%. But the, again, the key element here is the school has the option to decide whether to instate that provision or not. The University of Georgia, our athletic department has already come out, clearly stated that we will not be partaking in that. We will not be withholding a dime. No earnings will, will be withheld. Whatever your whatever the player makes on his name, image, likeness, he will keep 100% of that. I guess you got to pay taxes and whatnot. I don't know how that session ended up working. But the university is not going to touch that money. So you're right, Curtis. This is straight up either a lazy garbage or just disingenuous dribble. Uh, and, and like I, I kind of see it as just go a second further on this. It to me, it's kind of tell me if you disagree. I think it's kind of just one, it's just another example of someone in the media or just people in our society in general actively looking for reasons to be outraged. You know, what I mean, don't you have that feeling like people just look for reasons to be outraged? A hundred percent. And that's one thing you, you know, you kind of talk about the pooling. Yeah, they would get it a year after they graduate, but one thing that it actually, if the teams were to pull, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe they will pull and I don't think they should, but it would actually was set up also to be able to help the players that aren't going to be the big name Trevor Lawrence's and the Justin Fields of the programs and still allow them to enjoy some of that extra money. Like the offensive linemen who like make it possible for these guys to make money off their name image like this. But are you and, 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 and if that's the worst thing that happens that you help your teammates get a little bit extra money and that's what you want to be outraged by the fact that some of these guys that aren't going to be the most well known players get a little bit of extra money. Then, then you're really just looking for something to be outraged over. Sure, and and, and you're right. That's not even going to happen. But you're right. They're just they're looking for reasons to be outraged because outrage sells. It gets clicks. And, like ignoring the like, and they just ignore the context. You alluded to this. They just ignore the context that doesn't fit with their holier than thou, look at me, clout chasing agenda. And like, I just this. And when I saw this, I was I, I kind of just brushed it off at first. I was like, "Who cares?" Like, just God, you're just this is just dumb. Yeah, I, I ignored it because it, it's all, it's what I come to expect with the talking heads now. Like, the, I I don't expect anything different. 
Yeah, it, it, absolutely. But the more I think about it, I got this question. I thought more about it. Like, okay, let me, let me think ahead a little bit and try to form some sort of response to this. And the more I thought about it and the more like it's, the more I, I kind of just felt insulted, you know, like what I mean by that is if he, like you said, if he would have Shannon Sharp or Mark Packer on Sirius XM had done even the slightest shred of research, then it would have been obvious that this, that they're just making stuff up. So, I, I, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So, you know what? They knew exactly what they were doing. I think. Yeah. Because Shane is sharp. Shane is sharp. All he, his only comeback was that, well, they're all liars. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, the reason we have to have written contracts is because, you know, handshake agreements, people just lie and make stuff up. And it's like, Oh my God. Okay. I sure. I guess you're right. A couple hundred years ago, whatever. But I mean, it's just, they're kind of relying. The reason it's kind of insulting to me is it. I just get the feeling that they're, they're just relying on all of us to be like mindless imbeciles that just passively accept whatever, what a talking head says as indisputable fact. Like we're just supposed to, if they say it, we're supposed to accept it. And it's like, no, but the, but the problem I have with it also is that there are people who watch those shows and they take what is said on those shows as gospel fact. You know what I mean? Like there are people who do that. Well, and yeah. I mean, that's half the world. <laughs> More than half. Exactly. And so when guys like Mark Packer and Shannon Sharp go out, go on there and say, and start blasting, and this is where I get, this is where, this is where it does kind of make me mad. It's because you're blasting our university. It could potentially have a neck. You could be the one that is putting a, shedding a negative light on university for no reason whatsoever, because you're either A, just dumb, or B, you're being disingenuous, just trying to get clicks and make yourself a little bit more money, get more attention, trying to chase that clout. And either way, I'm not down with that because our university came out from the get-go and said, we are not withholding any money. And to act like we are, to at least give that impression and, and get outraged like that's what we're doing is just insulting. It's tiresome. It's lazy. It's infuriating. It's stupid. So I don't know. You got anything else on that one, Kurt? No, I mean, I you've seen – we can tell my, my – yeah we, yeah, we can go on and on, but we got other things to talk about today. Uh, and here, so we got one more kind of off the field question, but I guess it kind of relates to on the field in some way. And uh, so this is the other agent of college football structural chaos that's following the footsteps of the NOI legislation. In fact, actually, it came before this name, image, likeness legislation. So it, I guess the NIL is following in its footsteps. And that has been, as you guys are well aware, the immediate transfer eligibility legislation that was actually approved last month by the Division One Council. But the SEC actually still has its own rule in place that prevents immediate eligibility for players transferring from one school in the conference to another. Of course, the exception of grad transfers. We saw it with Mo Smith with Kirby, in Kirby's first year. Now, the ACC had a similar rule. They've since dropped those penalties in March, and one of our longtime listeners really appreciate this, Jonathan. Jonathan, at, uh, he has a, a potential compromise solution to this issue. So here's what Jonathan says. Might somewhat of a compromise for the immediate eligibility of transfers with the SEC be to make the player sit out for the game against their former team in the year of the transfer should the two teams play? Curtis, would that be a fair compromise that you could kind of be down with? I mean, I could get behind that. Yeah, 100%. Because um, if not, like especially when it becomes – I mean, it wouldn't hurt Alabama against Tennessee when you got Henry T and people like that. But I think it would be a good rule, yes. Um, I mean, because I, I, I think it's already become free agency. You're seeing how college basketball has practically become ruined. Um, this offseason has just left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths, and I could see football even getting worse. Um, so, I mean, I could get behind that. I'm not against it. I don't, I'm, I'm not against it at all. I mean, I, you know, I, I could see it. 
Yeah, I think I think this could be a great compromise because let's be real. I think Jonathan's on something here. He's 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 shining a light on the on the real issue. What coaches are really concerned about with with their resistance to players being able to transfer from school to school within the conference, what they're really concerned about is what the fan base would say and the heat they would get from the national media if a former player who transferred because maybe at your school, they weren't playing as much as they wanted to. They lost out on the job. You chose someone else. If they transferred to another school in the conference and then came back and played you like the next year and beat you. Think about the blowback you would get from the fan base, the media, and recruiting all of that, right? Yeah. That's what coaches want to avoid. Let's be real. That's what that's that's what's holding this up. That's what that's what coaches are saying behind the scenes, the SEC meetings, all this. That's what's going on here. But I think at some point, like, don't you think we're going to have to drop the SEC is going to have to? I guess we don't have to, but don't you think it's I mean, it's going to happen. We dropped it last year practically without saying we dropped it. And I yeah, we try to say it was just COVID, but it's like, um, okay. Okay, Mays and his eligibility, all those guys. Yeah, I mean, look, if all the other conferences around us, like the ACC, which has already done this, if they start dropping this penalty and basically we're the only ones standing there, look, the SEC has shown that we will we'll stand on our own leg if we have to. That's fine. Like, you do what you're going to do. But you would think from a recruiting standpoint, this is where it's going to come down, start to hurt you a little bit. If all the other conferences around you have dropped any penalties for transferring within the conference, that could now all these players who sign, they, they all always think they're going to be the best player ever. They're never, never going to have to transfer. It's all, always going to work out for them to be sunshine and rainbows, of course. But it certainly could be used as the negative tool recruiting against these schools. And I think that might ultimately be what motivates some coaches to drop their resistance against the conference in general just to drop this rule. But, Jonathan, I think it's a great solution here. I don't know if it will ever happen, but I think it would be worth some conversation at, at the SEC meetings. I certainly would. I think you're, you're on the right track there, man. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, now let's get back to our wheelhouse here and talk about some of the on field stuff. And we've got a couple of quarterback related questions. I feel like we've gotten a lot of quarterback related questions the past couple weeks, but we'll keep it rolling here. So, this is a, a good question. This is a really interesting question, Curtis. This is from Walter from all the way out in Southern California. I believe it's in Orange County. Uh, he emailed us a couple weeks ago and, and let me know that he's out there in Orange County and watched all these guys from Southern California, whether it's JT Daniels, DJ Uyungle, Bryce Young. Watch them all play at, at Matter, Matter Day or St. John Bosco in DJU's case. And he had a, a pretty cool question about these three quarterbacks. So what Walter asked is, which former Southern California quarterback, and by Southern California, I mean like the area of Southern California, not USC, which former Southern California quarterback would you rather have at quarterback 
for the upcoming season? JT Daniels, DJ Uwe Angelale, or Bryce Young? Now, this wasn't exactly the question Walter asked, but I put a little bit of a spin on it to throw it at you here, Kurt. But it's, in essence, what he was asking. He wanted us to break down these three quarterbacks in their game. So, Kurt, if you had to pick to start this season, for this season, which of those three former high school All-Americans from Southern California, JT Daniels, DJ Uwe Angelale, or Bryce Young, at Alabama now, which one would you take to start this season? Um, I'm going to go JT Daniels, and I think it's just the experience wins out for him. Um, to me, it came down to uh, DJ Daniel or to uh, JT Daniels and uh, DJ U. Um, I don't really put Bryce Young in the conversation. I mean, you know, I thought it was funny that the ESPN headline that one day was Bryce Young wins the MVP from the scrimmage. I'm like, it was a scrimmage. First off, he wasn't getting rushed. Um, and what has he done in real time to show that this is a guy I want to start the season with? So I'm going to go uh, definitely settle JT Daniels, or not settle, but choose him because I think just the experience, I think he's finally getting healthy. Um, he's getting immersed in the offense. He's getting a full control of it. Um, and he's done it at the highest level from multiple schools, especially going to a freshman year. And I think DJ has a lot to learn. Um, you know, he could run and could take some hits. And he threw for 300 over against Notre Dame. But as you saw, when when you put Trevor Lawrence in, their offense clicked even light years better than where they were struggling to, you know, fight through when he was out. Um, yeah. So I think and that's why I'm going to go with JT. You're right about Bryce Shelley. I think, like, look, the track record of quarterbacks at Alabama is as good as anywhere the past five, six years. So I, I expect he'll be really good. He's got a lot of talent around him. He's going to be a good quarterback. He's a high school American. I think the number two overall recruit, I want to say. Or maybe, no, well, it's been on what service you're looking at. Number one, number two, depending on what service you're looking at. But very highly rated. But we just don't – and he'll probably be really, really good. But you're right, Curtis. We just don't know yet. And it's – I always think it's kind of irresponsible to say, yeah, this is the guy I would pick. If I, like, I'm, I'm going to say this for sure is going to happen with this guy when you just don't know. Like, you can you – can, Think that and you can make some projections based on what you've seen in high school, but you just don't 100% know. So if I'm asked a question about which three of these guys, which of these three guys I'm going to pick to start the season if I want to win national title, I just can't. The answer might be Bryson. That might be the correct answer, but you can't go there yet because you don't know. We haven't seen them at this level. They'll probably be good, but we just don't know. Um, now, looking at these three guys, I would uh, would you agree with me, Curtis, if I said J.D. Daniels is probably the least physically gifted of the three? Is that fair? Oh, I think that's very fair. Yeah, maybe not, maybe speed wise, I think he may have a better arm than people give him. But uh, yeah, he's good. He's got a good arm. Yeah, but I, but I would say all in all, total package, he's probably the least physically gifted of the three. Uh, Bryce Young moves better, but he, he's not a true dual threat guy. But he moves better in the pocket. He's he's certainly quicker. Uh, DJ Uangale moves. I think he moves maybe slightly better than JT. But JT is plenty mobile. Let's not just like trash him. He can move around. He can extend plays. Even with the, with the knee injury last year, he was doing that in the pocket. Um, so it's not like he's just garbage there. Uh, Uyangale, I think, has pretty clearly the best arm, but I think JT is right there behind him, not too far behind him. Uh, DJU, he's he's obviously the biggest, 6'5", 245, but uh, JT's really good size, 6'3", 210. You got Bryce Young coming in at 5'10", 190, which like I, Alabama's has some smaller quarterbacks, and they've been fine. You, you, when you even saw it at Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, been fine. But I don't know if that's an I, ideal size. And I would say that JT is the most polished at this point, at this point is the most polished and most skilled passer of the three. His ball placement is at least got to work on the deep ball accuracy, the consistency there a little bit, but I think he's the most polished, most skilled passer of the three at this point. We'll see if that changes. And the, the deal breaker for me, Curtis, and you're right. This is why I would also go with JT Daniels is he's got by far the most experience of these three. Okay. I think it's fair to say his ceiling might not be as high as DJ Uyunglele. 
but I think he's close enough in ability. And then with the experience and the proven decision-making ability, along with the weapons around him, not to say that, that DJ is not going to have great weapons or Young's not going to have great weapons. They will. But if you take the experience, his polish, his skills as a passer, I take I would take JT if you're asking for at least this one season. I think this season you got to take JT. Now, he might not end up being the best quarterback of these three down the road, but for this season to win national title, I would go with JT. Call me a homer if you want, but I would go with JT. All right, moving on here. We've got another question about JT Daniels, Curtis. This is from Jamie. Appreciate the question, Jamie. Jamie, uh, he says, so last week you guys said you didn't think JT Daniels would go number one overall in the 2022 NFL draft. Kurt, you and I both said, nah, we don't – Maybe seem as the first round, but probably not the number one overall pick. And Jimmy goes on to say, this week I actually saw a mock draft that had Florida's Emory Jones going number six overall and Daniels falling completely out of the first round. And he's referencing that. I think it was Pro Football Focus. I saw this. I think it was Pro Football Focus who put this mock draft out. So who goes earlier in the 2022 NFL draft, JT Daniels or Emory Jones? Kurt, what do you think? Oh, if it's the pro football focus, one thing about that, I believe they also had Cade Mays as a first round pick. Yeah, um, I'm pulling it up right now. There, I remember. I know there was like, oh mock, God, draft, one mock draft that had Cade Mays in the first round. If that's the same one, you give them no credence whatsoever. Um, but I'm going to go JT Daniels. I mean, I can't go with the guy who pukes on the field uh, for whatever reason he is out there. Um, yeah, I'm going to go JT Daniels. Uh, I think Emory Jones just fit, does fit what Dan Mullen wants to do, maybe with the a little bit more mobile. But he's not going to have the weapons he has had in the past that you saw Kyle Trask had. Um, and I think that's going to be one thing that's really going to affect them next year. Um, and I just don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I mean, realistically, uh, if he was at the time, because he was a redshirt freshman, maybe a sophomore when Kyle Trask took over, um, and he wasn't even really in the conversation at that point. Yeah. And I'm I'm pulling up the this this mock draft from Pro Football Focus. And look, mock drafts at this point are almost useless. They're fun. They're they're fodder for conversation, but never put any stock in them. I mean, Curtis, they have dominant Blaylock going number twenty five overall in the first round. Yes, he know. Wait, I mean, I love Dom. I love Dom. First first round. We don't Cut even know how ACL this year. Okay, yeah, that that really, huh? Seems I mean, very first credit. round. I mean, I love Dom, and I hope he goes in the first round at some point. But I don't think it's going to be this year. No, I mean, dear God, no, no. I just, I'm sorry, but I mean, Emory Jones as number six overall. Okay, like, let me say this about Emory Jones. All right, look, I know we're we are a Georgia podcast, and we hate Florida. Obviously, I hate them with a deep abiding passion, and it's popular to just crap on everything about Florida. I'm cool with that too. I got no problems with that. But if I'm trying to be as as objective as possible here. I'm not as sold as a lot of people out there are that Emory Jones is going to be like just this crazy bust for Florida this year. I hope that's the case, but I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. I actually, the reason that is, I actually think he's more of a fit for what Dan Mullen has traditionally had success with a quarterback position in his career, more so than Kyle Trask. Like, but see, that's the thing, though, that Dan Mullen only had success, or his success actually was never as good as it was. until he had Kyle Trask, who almost put him in a national, you know, in the playoffs there because it gave yeah. him more of a passing threat. Yeah, it's just, but it's just, and you're right, but it's just inter- interesting when you go back and look at his career, whether it's go back to Tebow at Florida, Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald, who wasn't good, but he was good as a runner. Like he's had a lot of success with guys that are mobile, like dual threat quarterbacks. I think that's what he prefers. And he kind of had to mold his system around Kyle Trask, and that was their best option last year. So I think he's more of a fit for what Dan Mullen has traditionally been really successful with. 
but but he's definitely not going to have near as many weapons around him this year as Kyle Trask had last year. And I definitely do not think he's a great passer. I don't think he'll ever be a great passer. He's got a good arm, but he is not a polished passer. And it's, he's a long way from being that based off what I've seen from him. But saying that his legs, his running ability will give him easier looks, simpler coverages to read, which means he could put up some big numbers in that Florida offense. But I just don't know if it will translate to the NFL and be all that attractive to scouts. Cause I don't think like if he has a lot of success this year, I don't think it's going to be success that's based around doing a lot of things that NFL teams are going to ask him to do. Does that make sense, Kurt? Yeah, I agree. Something that they're not going to be super like, hey, this is going to be my first round, right. my number six overall pick when he has to make quick reads and things like that. Yeah, like it's kind of like Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is a fantastic college quarterback and fit that system to a T and was just incredibly successful. But in no way was he go- did he have the skill set to do things that people that the coach at the NFL level were going to need him to do. And I think like Emory Jones is more physically gifted than Tebow is, not quite as big different quarterback but as a dual threat kind of guy, and he's not a polished passer. I just don't think he's going to show the things on tape this season that's going to entice an NFL team to take him in the first round. I just I just don't see it. Now, I could be proven completely wrong here, but I'm with you, Kurt. I do not see that happening. I think that's that's actually pretty funny. I, when I saw that, I was like, I got I, I got I got a pretty good chuckle out of that. And, and again, Dominic Blaylock, love the guy. Also, kind of, I was like, Dominic, I mean, dude's coming off two ACL tears, and we're – we're saying he's going to be a first-round draft this year. He might not even be in our – like, there's a chance he might not even be in our rotation, right, Kurt? Yeah, I mean, at least not in the first the first part. Yeah, there's a chance. I mean, I, I wish the absolute best for Dom. I love the guy. But, I mean, he might not be even our, in our top four rotation for the first part of the season. I mean, he's going to be a first-round draft pick next year? I mean, you just lose all credibility. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, next up here, uh, we have a great question from our good friend, Clip. It's actually been a few weeks since we've gotten a question from Cliff. So great to hear from him. And Cliff is looking ahead to our highly anticipated week one matchup. I have a little bit of an X's and O question here, Kurt, a little bit. So Cliff asks, given the state of the Georgia secondary, do you think the dogs will play more of ball control, old school offensive approach to limit Clemson's possessions in week one? Not exactly next to those question there, but it's something that you have to imagine is under consideration. So it's an interesting one, Curtis. Do you think it's because all the talk for years has been that George got to open the offense, George got to open the offense. But Cliff is going back saying, well, maybe for this one game at least, it might be better for us to go back to that old school ball control offensive approach. Are you buying that? I'm selling that. I mean, the big or the biggest reason is like they're gonna get their points. I mean, that's their offense. You never gonna hold them to 14 to 17 points. You're never gonna do that. Even if you give them the ball five times, they're likely to score five times. You're gonna have to score. Well, I don't score five out of five times because we're not gonna win the game. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like they're gonna score more than like more than 50%. They're going to score. They're, we're going to have to score to win this game. Yeah, and you're going to have to score the points. And as you've seen in the past, when we try to go ball control, our offense actually sputters because you have to have the flexibility to do everything you want to do, especially with this Todd Monk and offense, to open everything up. Like, we tried to go ball control against Kentucky, and look how ugly that was. But we won. But we won. Yeah, but that's Kentucky. But it's Kentucky, right? Yeah. Uh, I we're going to have to score points win this game. I don't see you winning a game without having an open offense. I mean, yeah, you're going to run the ball more so maybe than uh, – you, like you're not going to be 60-40 pass, but you're going to have to be close to 50-50. You can't do this 70-30 run and win against Clemson. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. That, and I think this 
this might be a semantics type thing. Like, a, like, how do you define ball control? Do you find define ball? See, most people define era? ball control running seventy thirty somewhere around there to where you're at least hold like your the clock. Because when you go to a true passing air rate offense, you score pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say like I think in this game, I think Cliff is. I think he's leaning in the right direction here. I think we're going to have to run. The, I think we should run the ball more than maybe a lot of fans want, want us to. I think a lot of fans just want us to be at this point. We're just so tired of our traditional Kirby Smart, Mark Rick era offense where we're just kind of run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action on third down. I And I understand that. And so, like, people want us just to throw the ball. They see Alabama and LSU out there throw the ball 40, 50, 50 times a game, putting up 50 points a game. And that's what they want us to be game in and game out. And I, I would love to see us score a lot more points and be – more explosive on a more consistent basis but it doesn't mean there aren't specific games and specific situations where you need to lean on the run maybe more than what the fan base would like and this uh, going back to cliff's point given the state of our secondary i think what cliff is saying is like hey look we have some issues in the secondary right now at least we have some concerns there we don't know what the situation is and clemson has dj will at quarterback probably almost certainly be a first round draft pick in a couple of years Got some good weapons at receiver, especially if Justin Ross comes back. This is a team that does throw the ball. They push it vertically. They're going to score some points on our secondary. And the more they have the ball, the more points they're going to score, the more points that we have to score to keep up with them. So it's better to just limit the amount of times they score and hope that we don't have to score as many. You know, and and see, I, 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 see, I get that, and I disagree with that, though. If you think it's such a liability that they're going to score pretty easily, especially on our secondary, and that's your mindset, then you better be 100% on all your ball control drives that you score every single drive. Yeah, and if you watched us last year, I know obviously we didn't have JT Daniels for you know the majority, of the, I guess for a little more than half the year. But even when JT took over as our quarterback, we still ran the ball quite a bit. Uh, now we certainly opened the ball, we opened it up more. We were throwing the ball down the field more. Absolutely, we put more on JT than we did on on Stetson and Dwayne. I mean, even Mathis. when we weren't running against Mississippi State and Cincinnati, we tried like we didn't uh, completely go away from the run to zero percent. Absolutely, because that's part of what like Todd Munkin like. I know we people don't want us to run a pro style system. They want us to open up more. We are opening up more into Todd Munkin, but he still like, runs like a, it's like a spread pro style, pretty much, is what we do. Because people get like conf- like there's a misconception. When you say that when you say the term spread, people think you're just gonna throw the ball like 70 times a game, like 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 Mike Leach. Spread just means you're you're spreading the field and utilizing the entire field. You're spreading your receivers out, sideline, sideline. That's what it means. You're utilizing space in the entire field. Like Auburn used to when they first started, where they do the power spread, you know. Like they did yeah. a lot of power runs out of the spread, but they had great numbers in the box because they were spreading you out. Absolutely. And I'm pulling up the game logs here from last year. So when JT took over, let's see, we ran the ball. All right, man, look. So because Mississippi State only 23 times because we only ran the ball for eight yards in that game. We kind of abandoned that JT threw for 400. But then South Carolina, 46 times. Missouri, 45 times. Now we did get a in both the, now the, the Missouri game was competitive through the first half. I think we're only by a touchdown at halftime, if I remember correctly. Ran the ball 45 times there, 46 times at South Carolina. Sure, that was space the entire second half. We just run the run the clock out against South Carolina, but we still ran the ball a lot. Cincinnati, even though we only had we only ran the ball for, for 45 yards, we still ran it 24 times because our offense is still built around play action to a degree. We still want to go and play action, take those shots, and for that to be remotely effective, you've got to at least have the threat of running the football. And if you factor that in along with the fact that we have so many weapons in the backfield, we're going to run the football. So, Cliff, I think you're honestly there. I would, 
I, I would be okay with maybe like a 55-45 split in favor of, uh, of the passing in here. We're going to have to take our shots. As you're right, Curtis, I think we're going to have to score. But I also think there's some credence to what Cliff is saying is that we don't want to just, you know, throw the ball, you know, 60 times in this game uh, just to try to prove that, we can, that we're spreading the ball out now and that we got JT with all these weapons and give Clemson more opportunities. I, I understand where he's coming from there. I would still say we're going to have to take some shots, run the football, of course, and be a part of our game plan. But you can't. I, our, our secondary is going to have some concerns that we don't know how it's going to react there. But you can't go into that game scared either. So I think you're you're on to something there too, Curse. That's a very interesting question. We'll certainly get into that a lot more in detail as we get closer to this game in a couple months. But a little primer there for you guys to kick off the the month of May here. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right, this next question, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. It's just comical, but we're going to run with it anyway because it's one of those things that just needs to be called out. This is a question from Scott. Curtis, I don't know if you saw this article. It was actually today, I think. So Scott, because I got this question from him today. Scott said, "I read or says I read an article today slamming Georgia for not landing Henry Toto and calling Kirby Smart out for being a lazy recruiter who is being passed by with the changes to the college football recruiting in the transfer portal." Do you see any truth to that? Did you see this article, Kurt? I did not, but I there's zero truth to it. I mean, first off, as good as Henry T is. Why is he going to come to a school that has a, a three really good linebackers right now? Potentially with, two for John Drapics. Yeah, with Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, and Channing Tindall all already experience-wise. In Alabama, their only returning experience at the inside linebacker position is the guy who played two years ago but didn't get any PT last year. Yeah, and let, I, sh- I got to read you some of this, Chris, if you haven't seen because it, it is like – it's like – it's laughable, man. Like, and normally I, like I said earlier, I would completely ignore clickbait hit piece articles like this because to discuss them is to give them exactly what they want, which of course is attention and clicks. But sometimes you just have to call out monumental level stupidity like this. So people are aware of what they're getting themselves into when they choose to consume their work. And the article that Scott is referencing here is, um, it's actually from Clay Travis's outkick website. Now, Clay Travis, like we, you guys probably, I'm sure you know him. He's been very successful with OutKick. I'm sure many of you follow him and probably enjoy him. I know he's become very political, but this is not a political thing. I, I'm not trying to make any political statement here. That's not what we do here on this podcast. Clay Travis, is, he does a lot of things well. He's made a ton of money doing what he does, so good for him. But that doesn't mean that they should be trusted as a source of great knowledge of the college ball landscape. So, Kurt, let me read some of this stuff here for you. Okay. Um, losing Toe Toe is a big hit for Georgia, a program that simply has to get more with the times and figure out why young men around the country are using the transfer portal to go to other schools. Georgia coach Kirby Smart says that he still believes that players in some regard should come to you, that you shouldn't have to go out and work to get players to go to come to the school. So flat out, I'm mean, implying that Kirby Smart's a lazy coach. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Kirby Smart. I mean, the thing is, the thing that blows my mind is it was never once floated that Henry T was coming here. If anyone really lost out, it was Ohio State. Never. Completely. Like, that's the one person who lost with Ohio State. 
inventing controversy. And to suggest that Kirby Smart is a lazy recruiter, are you kidding me? There's no one in the country that eats, sleeps, and breathes recruiting more than Kirby Smart does. Are you kidding me? Completely ill-informed. He goes on to say, like, he goes, listen to this. I would re- – um, it's a very conservative approach by Smart and his staff, but one that is simply failing right now. Georgia just isn't getting the players to the transfer portal that they need. Oh, I mean, I guess that's not including our starting quarterback, right? And and the guy that was going to be our starting quarterback the year before and our best receiver in 2019, Lawrence Cager. I guess we're not getting those guys in transfer portal. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, you know, just thinking off the top of my head here. So what can Georgia do to turn it around? Well, the coaching staff and their egos need to realize that the name alone isn't enough to get good players in the door. Toto to was one of the top linebackers in the SEC last season, and his decision to play Alabama should show just how behind the eight ball the Bulldogs are. Curtis, is that the funniest thing you've heard in a long time? Uh, it is. I mean, it's pretty asinine. I mean, that's it's just it, I, I I I can't even get mad about it because it's just hilarious to me. I mean, that's just straight up comedy. That is comedy gold. Um, yeah, it's a thousand percent categorical garbage as well, but that's straight up comedy gold. But come on, it like. Toto is a great player, absolutely a great player. But inside linebacker is not even close to position of need for us. You mentioned it, girl, like we, with Quay Walker and Kobe Dean, potentially two first rounders there. We'll see how it works out. But they, I think those guys both have that level of talent. Again, we call Kirby Smart lazy. I mean, come on, come on. Just, I don't know. I, I, we got that question actually right before we came on to record. I saw that, I had to throw it up on here. I hadn't, I didn't know if you had seen it or not. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I was going to just ignore that one, but. We like to answer as many questions as we can, and sometimes it's just fun to call out stupidity for what it is. Just flat out stupid. All right, uh, for our next question, got a couple more here. We're going to actually move over to the diamond. As Elliot asked, will Georgia baseball make the NCAA tournament this season? Kurt, we're cutting it close. Two, uh, two SEC series left, one game against Tech. What do you think? I would think so. Um, the SEC is so loaded that someone that even a 500 is going to beat some other programs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. The SEC is, uh, once again, clearly the best conference in college baseball. We just lost a series. We lost two out of three at Arkansas. We had a chance. I thought we had, we won the game on Saturday. I thought we had a chance on Sunday. We actually pushed Ryan Webb, our ace, back to Sunday because he had some back spasm in his previous start against Auburn. And him going against their number three starter, I thought we had a chance. And Webb was looking really good through the first five or six innings and then gave up two homers and had a 3-0 lead and we ended up losing that game. So I thought if we would have won that game, that would have been our second series our second series win over a number one ranked team. Already won on the road at Vanderbilt two out of three against them and could have taken two out of three against Arkansas. We did get one there. Our RPI is still like top 35-ish level right now. I think we're in pretty good shape. We're at 11 wins in conference. And if you look at it traditionally, I think I think I heard on one of the broadcasts this past weekend, I think I said if you get to 14 SEC wins, I think the good, like your percentage chance of making the insulate tournament goes up to like 61%. So if we can get to 14 wins, we're at 11 right now. We've got a series on the road in Gainesville against Florida this weekend. They're a top 25 team. And then we close out the regular season at home against Ole Miss, who's also a, also a top 25 team. We have that game on the road against Tech in Atlanta as well. I think if we can get four out of our last six SEC games and get to 14, I feel like we're almost a lot because we have some really good wins this year. Now, we also screwed up and lost two out of three to A&M and Auburn, who are two of the three worst teams in the conference. That does not help. But we also got some good wins. We got a good RPI, good strength of schedule. We just need to close strong here. Even if we get to 13 wins, I think we've got a, about a 50-50 shot. But I don't know. Uh, it's certainly not a done deal that we'll be in. I think we put ourselves in pretty good position. We just need to find a way to get – we need to win one of these last two SEC series and not get swept in the other one. 
So hopefully it'll happen this weekend. Hopefully we just sweep Florida this weekend, and that puts us at 14. That would be awesome. It kind of just makes me feel a lot better about where we'll be in the postseason. But right now it's it's still kind of touch and go. We're in decent shape, but we we gotta we gotta finish strong here down the stretch. All right, and our last question, Curtis, kind of just a fun question. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Kendall Milton's tweet about Sweet Tea over the weekend? Yes, I did see it. Yeah, so Kyle uh, sent in a question, kind of just tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, but it's a fun question on here today. So Kyle asked, with Kendall Milton tweeting out for the world to see that Sweet Tea, quote, ain't good at all. California boys say that Sweet Tea ain't good at all. What is your hottest take on Southern cuisine? Okay. Uh, I mean, if it's me, I, I'm the big anti-collard greens, which I feel like if you go to any Southern restaurant. Is that Southern cuisine? I guess it is. I mean, I feel like anytime you go to a Southern place, that's the big thing they push, you know, the greens, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just never been part of my, like my Southern cuisine. That was never really a part of my, maybe that was by choice for me. Okay. Yeah. Definitely but I'm also greens. not a big, I'm also not a big sweet tea guy. I think mine has to do with, you know, not. I'm, I was, I honestly, I may, I might, I don't think I've ever drank a full-on glass of sweet tea in my life. I've tasted it. I've had it. I never really drank it as a kid. Um, and my mom always did. But I, didn't have, I never really did for whatever reason. I don't even know. Maybe I, I think once upon a time, like I, I was like when you're a kid, you have tea at like the Chinese restaurants, and it's like terrible because it's not sweet tea. And like In my childhood mind, like, that's what tea was. So I just – even my mom was like, no, sweet tea is good. I'd be like, no, I'm not drinking that. It's terrible. And I just never really drink it. And as I got older, I've had like some a, a sip or two here, but I don't think I've ever drank like a full glass of sweet tea. Now, part of that is because I am sick in the brain and I have like issues with like eating sugar. I just don't, yeah, I, I'm just stupid. And I, I try to stay away from sugar as much as I possibly can. I don't eat candy, cookies, all that kind of stuff. I know I don't enjoy my life like I should. Um, so that's part of the reason I stay away from it. So I'm with you. I don't, I'm not saying sweet tea is not good. I just don't, it's not part of my diet. Um, but okay, so hot take for me is, um, how do you feel about grits, Kurt? I mean, I'm you can take them or leave them. I don't really care all that much. Yeah, about like it. if someone said, "Hey, eat these grits," I could eat them. I'm not gonna throw them up, but like I'm, I'm never like in the mood to say, "You know what? I really want, I want some grits right now." Grits have they're tasteless. Like I, I mean, unless you put cheese or like a crap load of butter in, I'm like, like it just it has no taste. It's just it's neutral. It's nothing. It's like. I can ne- I can say I've never been like craving grits. Like sit down for a big southern breakfast. Like, hey, man, give me those grits. Pass those grits down. No, I got no. Like you put them on my plate. Sure, I'll. I guess I'll eat them, but not really for me. Um, deviled eggs. Are you big on deviled eggs? Absolutely not. I I I tried one deviled egg in my life, and I thought I was gonna die. I thought I thought I did die for a moment. I thought I I just I I was done. I thought it was over. I, no. I can't do that. I mean, I don't even know exactly mayonnaise. Anything mayonnaise-based, I can't do. I know my people in the South like mayonnaise. People around the country like mayonnaise. I can't do mayonnaise. I'm a very picky eater. I don't do mayonnaise. I don't do pickles. I don't do tomatoes. I don't do onions. I don't do mustard. Um, don't do sour cream. Don't do uh, ranch dressing like a lot of people do. That's the, that's a big Southern thing, right, ranch dressing? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm out on ranch dressing. I can't even smell ranch dressing without wanting to vomit. I know you you love the ranch. You, you, you do pizza with ranch dressing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not for me. I so like, I know I'm the weird. I'm not saying that I, that people should be listening to me. I'm I understand that I'm a very very strange person when it comes to my eating habits. I'm not normal. That's on me. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I know a lot of people are hating on Kendall Miller. Should we kick him out of the? Should, should we kick him out of the dog nation for the, his sweet tea take? I'm not because I don't really drink much sweet tea, and I have some weird takes of my own when it comes to food. But uh, all right. That does it for us today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. As always, we appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy days to listen to us here in the football offseason. 
Like I said at the beginning of the show, I will be back later on this week with the first episode of our scheme theme month that we'll carry out at the very least at through the through the rest of this month. And if the reception is good and you guys want more of it, we'll definitely keep it going through the summer as well. I am down with that. I, you guys know I love talking the X's and O's. So I'm really excited for this. I, I know we've gotten some positive feedback and we haven't even had our first episode yet. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have that for you later on this week. But have a great week, guys. We will be back. Thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>